Hi, I'm Grant Armstrong, and I get to serve as directing pastor here at St. John's United Methodist Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our desire is to be a beacon of faith and service, focusing our passions and gifts to reflect Christ's love to the world. You are invited to join us each week at 9 a.m. for a time of traditional worship or at 11 a.m. for contemporary worship. Thanks for joining us for this online version of the sermon. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Jesus is teaching his followers here. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruits. They will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Then, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was on this day, March 29th of 1943, that the United States started to ration meat and certain dairy products, specifically cheese, as part of an effort to maintain a steady flow of necessities to American households during World War II. It was an effort to make sure that there wasn't hoarding taking place, partly because voluntary conservation had not been working to that point. It was also designed to help prevent price gouging from those who were selling some of these necessities. There were items seen as necessities for people to keep up their strength and even to maintain the morale of people at the time. And so the U.S. started issuing rationing booklets to see the people in this country could have their fair share. The campaign had slogans like, Make it do, and share the meat, and other inspiring ways of calling people to put some boundaries on their consumption during remarkable times. Anybody over 12 years of age were rationed two and a half pounds of meat per week. Kids from six to 12 would get one and a half pounds. Kids under six would get three quarter pounds. Now, if you look at statistics today, the average American male is estimated to eat around two and a tenth pounds of meat each week. And so we know even with rationing, those things are feasible. Uh, people would be given booklets with stamps for meats and stamps for cheese and, and certain other dairy products that were intended specifically for their own personal use. But then barter systems and black markets for stolen stamps and forgery started to proliferate. And we don't always do well with externally imposed limits, do we? There are things that we can do without or do with less. It's not a big deal to be cut off from those things, and we find that we can get by okay without a lot of things if we're pushed into a corner. But there are things that we absolutely cannot do without, and our lives are truly incomplete without them. I like having a smartphone. I get anxious when I'm distant from it for a while. It's not a life or death thing for me, however, and I know that. I like food. I really do enjoy eating, and I could probably afford to miss a meal or two. Still, if any of us is cut off from food for an extended period of time, then it becomes a survival matter. I like the routines of Sunday mornings. 
I like getting dressed up for church, having a cup of coffee, and sitting down with the people who have gathered in time for worship to be able to catch up with them. It's important to me, and it brings value to my life, and I'm figuring out which parts of that I can do without and for how long, just as you are. I like Jesus. I really appreciate having a conversation with Jesus even before I get out of bed for the day. I'm comforted by his assurance when I'm feeling low, and I am grateful for his humbling perspective when I'm feeling a little too certain of myself. I might not get my religious discipline and practice perfect all the time, but if I try to cut off Jesus for any extended period of time, it becomes a matter of survival. That's what we're looking at today. When Jesus declares, I am the true vine, it has to do with what we can do without and what we absolutely cannot miss. And this scripture really invites us into some self-examining questions more than statements of lesson today. And so our lessons will be in the form of questions, a little bit like Jeopardy, but without the cash prizes. And so our first question today is, what does Jesus desire to prune from my life right now? What does Jesus desire to prune from my life right now? Jesus is teaching his followers, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. One of the first spring-like things that's happened around our house during our shelter-in has been cleaning up our yard a little bit. We've had a lot of branches and twigs drop since the last mowing season ended, and before we could cut grass for the first time this year, we had to do a little gathering of sticks like the guy on the cover of Led Zeppelin's fourth studio album. There were some substantial branches that our youngest couldn't carry themselves, and there were a lot, a lot of little twigs all over. Some were obviously long dead. Some had signs of life, and it's a mystery why they were even on the ground. They all had that in common, though. They had all been separated from the tree where each of them once started as a shoot. Each one cut off from the rest of the system, designed to preserve the overall health of the tree and contribute to the well-being of the surrounding environment. Those branches and twigs on the ground were not without use, however. After they were gathered and placed into a bin, they fueled a fire in the fire pit on our back porch later that day, and over that pit we roasted hot dogs and marshmallows for s'mores. It was really nice to break out of the house for a little while and to participate in something that felt like normalcy. It probably didn't feel normal for the sticks and twigs, but that's okay. The hot dogs were delicious. There's a part of our life sometimes that may just drop to the side or fall to the ground or cease to find a place of priority when it comes to our thoughts and our energies and our time. It can happen naturally when responsibilities increase, for example, with marriage or with a different job or with the inclusion of families and children in the family, for example. There are things that used to fill our time that just don't or can't anymore. Our resources are directed elsewhere. It happens, maybe not because those things are bad, but because they're just not as important anymore. They siphon off the focus to lesser things when something more important requires our attention. Branches drop off of the proverbial tree of our lives and things go on differently, but they do go on. Then there may be things that are draining us and we don't know it. Or maybe we don't acknowledge it because we have a strong connection to those things, even if those things are holding us back or doing us harm. Jesus usually doesn't bring out a chainsaw for those types of things, but if we're in a conversation with Jesus with some regularity, he may start drawing 
those to our attention. Why didn't you give her eye contact when she was talking to you? What was the distraction? The tone of that sarcasm, what's keeping you angry that you can't forgive and let go of the hurt? That conversation seems to have crossed a line. Is this a relationship that will help you love the people that you are responsible to care for? You're having a hard time remembering parts of last night. What does enough look like so you're not hurting yourself or others? Jesus doesn't come in with a machete even in most cases, either slashing away at our draining branches like he's cutting away the brush in the jungle. Here's how Jesus describes in Scripture his pruning technique. God will use his word for some precision work. We find this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Jesus gets surgical, not just to address the pieces of our lives that hurt us or hold us back from experiencing the fullness of life, like what Jesus talked about last week as he declared himself to be the good shepherd. Our God is concerned with our overall health, and so pruning doesn't just cut off behaviors and actions. God will dig deep into our hearts to find out what's happening in our souls, in our spirits, And extract the hurts and poisons down to the level of our thoughts, our motivations, our imaginations, and our desires. God will cut certain drains out of our lives with laser accuracy. And that makes us healthier disciples. And as part of the body of Christ, it makes the whole body healthier. This has been a time of being cut off, hasn't it? There isn't a lot that we figured we could do without that we're figuring out what we can do without right now. There are plenty of things that we imagined were load-bearing walls in our lives, and we're seeing them taken down before our very eyes. To what end? Have you spent time considering what this time of pruning can mean for you or for our world? Nobody can tell you what God has for you in the midst of this time of pruning except for God. So what if we ask the Holy Spirit to show us what needs to be extracted from our lives right now? Not out of precaution for a virus, but for a chance to be better connected with our God. Could that be a possible outcome of this time? That leads to our next question. What is the fruit that Jesus hopes to grow in me right now? What is the fruit that Jesus hopes to grow in me right now? Jesus continues to teach his followers, Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. In his book, Love Does, author Bob Goff writes, that's one of the things about love. It always assumes it can find a way to express itself. Love always assumes it can find a way to express itself. Isn't that true? Even though some folks have determined to use this time to become toilet paper profiteers, I've noticed that the vast majority of neighbors have been absolutely relentless in trying to figure out what love can look like right now. We've got restrictions, to be sure. Now, shortly after the death of Jesus and his resurrection, the Christian church came under persecution. 
Add to that the conflicts within the church about whether or not Gentile or non-Jewish converts to Christianity needed to observe the whole of the Hebrew laws and practices, and you've got a system that at times felt fairly restrictive. In that environment, many people were probably wondering, with all these prohibitions, what in heaven can I do? And the Apostle Paul answered that pretty incredibly. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, he says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. That's the kind of fruit Jesus wanted to grow in followers many years ago during a time that may have felt restrictive. What if that's the kind of fruit this particular field is good for growing right now? What if God isn't really trying to increase our busyness, distraction, portfolios, platforms, or clout? Are we still in proper growing conditions for love to flourish? Can we still experience and share joy? Does our peace depend on the calm of our circumstances? Are you getting additional opportunities in your household or with the people with whom you're remotely working to be able to exercise a little bit of patience? Is there a way to get creative in showing kindness? Does anyone keep us from becoming more Christ-like in this time? Can we overcome obstacles to remain faithful in living out our values? Are there folks who might need to hear a gentle and comforting word from us? And even though my lovely wife Amy brought home some Starburst jelly beans the other day, can I still exercise some self-control? Maybe. Paul says there aren't any laws against these things. There's no quarantine from love. There's not a shelter in place, but in a really joyless way, order in effect. As a matter of fact, the conditions are about as right for these fruits as my spring lawn is for the growth of dandelions right now. There's just nothing stopping any of it. That fruit doesn't just come because we're trying really hard, though. It's the outcome of the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. That leads to our third question. What step can I take to abide more closely with God right now? What step can I take to abide more closely with God right now? Jesus says, if you remain in me and my word remains in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. In a time leaning up to being conquered and exiled, God told his beloved Hebrew people through the prophet Jeremiah, and this is Jeremiah 29, he says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. God didn't say you won't go through it. But he did say you don't have to go through it alone. Call on me. Seek me with your whole heart. You will find me. God's not hiding. God isn't distant. If you want Jesus to nurture the good fruits in your life through all you need to do is to call upon him and keep calling upon him. Just don't stop listening and living and loving out of that connection that you maintain with God through Christ. Our lives are branches. Jesus is the vine, the very source of our life. We are meant to stay connected with him. And maybe we need to stay connected with him, perhaps when it feels hardest. Would you pray with me? 
Lord our God. Christ, you are the vine. You are the one who nurtures and nourishes us. And apart from you, we can do nothing. God, we pray that you would pour out your grace upon us. That you would allow us in this time to show evidence of spiritual fruit because you're doing that work inwardly within us. God, we pray that the the conditions in which we find ourselves would be fertile soil for growing that kind of spiritual fruit. And Lord, we pray it would be for your glory. That in this time when there is a desperate need for your love and your light to shine, that you would allow us to be carriers of that light, reflectors of the light that you offer to us. May it be for your glory throughout this community, throughout our nation, and throughout the whole world. We thank you and praise you for all this in the powerful name of Christ our Lord. Amen.